Over these past few weeks, you have heard something said over and over again, and that is the church is not somewhere we go, that it is who we are. And we've grown to understand that we are the body of Christ, that we truly are every day the body of Christ, not just once a week, not just when we may be praying or reading the Bible, not just during a devotional time or some church activity, but every single day, everywhere we go, if we are a follower of Jesus, we are the church, we are the body of Christ. And we've also heard that we are family. And we've talked about being connected in Christ-centered community and being a family, and we've explored what that looks like. But I want us to go deeper in community today by understanding not only are we family, but the Bible talks about who we are supposed to be in a much more connected, intimate way. As we see the language of Scripture, the word body is used. We are a body, not just a family, but a body where we are all connected together, needing one another, helping one another, sharpening one another, encouraging one another, challenging one another, but connected in a deep way with different functions, with different gifts, but yet we are deeply connected because we are the body of Christ. And I want to come right out of the gates, and I want to let you know that Christ is the head of the church, not the pastor. Oh, let me say that again. Christ is the head of the church, not the pastor. It's Christ. It's His church. Christ is the head. We are a part of the body. God is intended to be the main attraction of anything and everything that we do. And if we're ever guilty of treating Him as an addition or a sideshow to our event, our service, our meeting. It is in vain, and we run the risk of attracting people to ourselves and not to God. That's why a church cannot be about a pastor or a group of people or a certain leader or a certain personality. It must be centered on the person of Jesus Christ. It must be grounded in the gospel, and it must point people to him and glorify him. Not glorify any individual, not be some place where we all come and ooh and ah at those whose gifts may be on display at, a, at maybe a more obvious level, but it is about us connecting with one another as Christ is the head and as we are the body. Colossians 1 and 18 says this, and he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. That word preeminent means there is nothing greater that ever has been nor will be. He is above all things that have been or are to come, that in everything, Scripture says, he might be preeminent. In other words, there is no person, no individual who has been born or will be born, that can ever surpass the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, somebody? And he is the head of this. It is his church. He is the head. Paul uses the illustration over and over again of a body, and we are the body. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 4, and I know that we've gone to Ephesians 4 almost every week during this series, but let's go there again. And let's look one more time at Ephesians 4, 
where Paul begins to talk a little bit more about this body of Christ, this thing we call the church. Ephesians 4, let's look at verse 11, where Scripture says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, but rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ." from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We see here that every part is important. Every piece of this body of Christ matters, not just some more than others. That's this idea that we get sometimes, though, that we think some parts of the body are more important than other parts of the body. And that's often true in our own mind, that we think there are some things in our physical body that are more important than other things until one of those parts begins to hurt. And then the smallest part that we never paid any attention to, oh, it's getting a whole lot of attention now. It's called stepping on Legos in the middle of the night. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You didn't even think about your pinky toe until it got hung up on one of them dudes. And then all of a sudden now you are paying a lot of attention to that little toe that you thought didn't matter. And if you really got injured, now you're walking funny because of that little toe. I remember when I was a kid, I played basketball, and uh, I was playing for the Boys and Girls Club, and I didn't get to play a whole lot because, honestly, I just wasn't that great. But at the same time, this was the last game of the year. I was so excited to get to play because I knew that that's when the coach let all the kids that weren't that great get more playing time. <laughs> and so this was going to be my moment, right? And then earlier that week, I had jammed my finger. No! This was supposed to be my moment. And I prayed, and I'll never forget how I prayed because I was so desperate for that thing to be better. I prayed and I said, God, if you heal this finger, I'll never take for granted the use of this finger ever again. I'll always thank you for the use of this finger if I could just have the use of this finger for this game. And I still ended up wearing one of these little goofy things on my finger taped up and all this stuff, and I got to play, but... You know, I prayed that because I was well aware of something I didn't really think that much of before. I kind of took it for granted. And now that it's hurting, I'm wanting to make sure that God heals it because now I'm paying attention to it. But, but what I didn't realize is that it mattered the whole time. The only time that it really stood out to me was when it wasn't working properly. And it's the same thing in the body of Christ. Every one of us have a function, whether or not we get to see that function, whether or not it's on display, whether or not it's something that perhaps we see all of the time. Like, you get to see me using my gift uh, because this is what I'm responsible to do. This is what I've been gifted and called to do. It doesn't make any other gift or any other thing more important than another. It's just my gift. And some people think that, oh, they, they have gift intimidation, you know, where they think that other people are more important because they're in different positions that may be more uh, external. Let me tell you something. The most important parts of my body, you can't see. 
Isn't that the truth? The most important thing happening in Derek Armstrong right now from a, from a physiological standpoint, you cannot see. Because if you did, that'd be creepy. <laughs> My heart beating is incredibly important. My lungs expanding and contracting is extremely important. You cannot see those things happening right now, but they are happening, and they are vital. They are extremely important, but they're not showy. They're not things that you can just openly see, but yet we know that the things that we are called and created to do, some of them are seen, some of them are not seen, but that doesn't make them any less important just because they're seen or not seen. Amen, somebody? Amen. See, this is Christ's body, and for us to value every part of the body is for us to is for us to make sure that there is opportunity within the body for us to use our gifts to serve one another, to be equipped for the ministry, not just for a small portion of the body to work. That's not the goal here. The goal is for everyone who is in this place, who calls Christ their Lord and Savior, who has been given a gift to serve. It's not about who has what gift, because are we connecting as a body, or are we competing? That's a question that I want to spend some time thinking about because Paul said that the entire body should be joined together, should be knit together, that there are parts that are supposed to function and it's with Christ's direction, with Christ being at the head, not just a few select individuals. It isn't about who has what gift. Go over to Colossians chapter 2, just flip uh, Flip over to Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, and let's look at verse 16. Paul writes to the church in Colossae, he says this, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions and puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that comes from God. He said, listen, when this thing is healthy, it's going to grow. And don't let people disqualify you. Don't let people judge you over the fact that you're not doing this this way or that you're not doing uh, holding to this festival or this tradition as we see even happen in the life of Jesus when people began to elevate things that weren't really all that important to God and they elevated them to a position that God said, that's not really what's important. That's not what truly matters. You're making a big deal out of these few things, and then we want to judge each other, we want to criticize each other, or we want to parade our strength or our gifts as if we're in some sort of competition to out-spiritualize one another. Where does that even come from? You see, the importance here is being placed on being connective, not who keeps the laws the best and who looks the most spiritual. I want you to be set free today because I know how the enemy loves to use intimidation to try to keep you from ever stepping out and using the gifts that God has given you. Because you may feel like your gifts are not all that important. 
You may feel like what you have to offer isn't really all that special, so you just let everyone else do everything because you don't think it's necessarily that important what it is that God has gifted you to do. Don't let the volume or the aggressiveness of others appear to uh, intimidate you or make you feel like you don't belong. Start where you're at and be hungry, be teachable, be willing to step out and grow. I remember when I was a youth pastor, we had this guy in our church, man. He was aggressively spiritual. I love this dude. His name is Gordon, and he carried around a bottle of oil, and he was anointing everything. Like, he was, he was wiping oil on everything. Like, Gordon would get there before anybody else. He'd walk around with this bottle of oil, and he was wiping it on doors. He was putting it on everything he could think of. If you walked past Gordon, you kind of had to dodge because you might get smacked with some anointing oil that morning. Well, when I was 21 years old and I was a youth pastor at this church, I, made, I took out my first loan, um, which was a big deal for me. And I bought a bass guitar, and it was a really expensive bass guitar, the type of guitar you have to take a loan out for when you're 21. Um, and so I bought this bass guitar, and I, I kept it in, in a special place. And then, man, I remember one day I picked it up, and we're, worship team's about to go out to, to, to lead the church in worship, and I start feeling this really slippery stuff all over the neck of the guitar. And I look, and there's like oil all over my hand. My guitar got Gordoned, and you know, like Gordon just smacked oil on that guitar, so I had to go to him in love, and I was like, hey, bro, listen, like, I, I get what you're doing, like, I, and I think it's awesome, you, you feel like you, you want to go and pray for people and stuff, just, just don't put oil on my guitar, bro, well, I want to, I want to, I understand, I understand, this dude was aggressively spiritual, so I, he, he finally agreed to stop greasing up the guitar. And until one day, I was playing in the worship team, and I noticed on the back of the head of the guitar, there was this little spot. And I was like, what? I was like, Gordon. And I'm <laughs> playing the guitar, and I'm seeing this spot on the back. And Gordon was just an aggressively spiritual dude, you know? And some people would say, oh, wow, this dude's so spiritual, because what he would do is everything he put that oil on, he was praying for those people who were going to be using those different tools. That was just his thing that he wanted to do. And, and as he went around doing that thing, you know, a lot of people will go, oh, wow, I could, never, I could never be that aggressively spiritual. Or the person who's always willing to pray at the meal, you know, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it. Or the person who's always willing to, you know, quote chapter and verse, and, and you're like, oh, man, I don't even know that many Bible verses. And you get all intimidated. There's so many things that the enemy would love to use to make you feel like, well, you're not as good as so-and-so, or you're not as spiritual as so-and-so, because on the outside, they appear to be super spiritual because of some of the things they do, or the aggressiveness of their personality. And you think, well, that person's always telling people about Jesus. Man, I, I, what am I doing? And at a certain level, it's good to evaluate. I get that, but don't let that evaluation turn into intimidation, amen? Because we're supposed to be connecting as a body, not competing. We're supposed to be encouraging one another and spurring one another on, challenging one another. Not us just going, oh, well, I'm not as spiritual as so-and-so. Or I'm being made to feel like I, I, I don't have anything to contribute. Everybody needs to be learning. Everyone needs to be connecting. Everyone needs to grow. Everyone needs to step out in faith. Every one of us. And it never stops. We continue to grow. This is who we are. Because if we're not connected, we aren't growing. 
If we're not connecting, we're not growing because the stronger the connection, the stronger the growth. This is true in our physical bodies, and it's the same in the body of Christ. If something becomes isolated in my body, it cannot stay healthy on its own. If something is just over here doing its own thing and it's not connected to the rest of what's happening in my body, it's not going to be healthy. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul writes this letter. This is one of my favorite chapters um, in, in the New Testament because I love the subject matter that he's dealing with and I love the way Paul deals with it because Paul's writing this letter to the church in Corinth to correct them on some things that they're doing wrong. They've got some things right, but then they've got some things way out of whack. And some of this stuff that they've gotten out of whack is, are things that they have begun to make very important in their own minds or things maybe that they're kind of pushing off and sweeping under the rug that they're supposed to be making important that they're kind of trying to not deal with. And Paul just calls them out on all of this stuff. And he deals with it all throughout the letter of 1 Corinthians. He's saying, you guys are tolerating this. You're not doing this. Concerning this issue, you need to do this. And he's just systematically going through these different pieces. And so when we arrive at chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the issue of spiritual gifts because they became very out of balance. They became uh, very showy, or they thought that maybe it was something that everyone's supposed to do this certain way. And so everyone is basically outperforming one another, in, and they're, they're interrupting each other, and people are being confused by it. And Paul hears about this, and during this section of the letter, he writes to them to correct them on the issue concerning spiritual gifts. And this is what he says to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's pick it up around verse 12, okay? 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12, Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, check this out, as it is, God arranged the members in the body each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. So now the eye's talking, which has always creeped me out a little bit. I know I brought that out before, but we're Christians, and I guess we have talking vegetables too, so it works. He said, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary... He says, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our, uh, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but there are members that may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one is honored, all rejoice together. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, then helping, then administrating in various kinds of tongues. 
He says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And then after saying all of that to people, he goes into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which some of us who have been around church for a minute, 1 Corinthians 13 is known traditionally as what chapter? Love. He goes right into love. And the first statement that he makes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is still connected to the same thought that he's dealing with here. He says, if I speak in tongues of angels, but I don't have love, he said, I'm just making a bunch of noise. In other words, I'm missing the part because I'm supposed to be rooted and grounded in love because the love of Christ is what is the billboard to the world that we belong to Christ. And so as we see here, Paul begins to talk about the importance of every member having different gifts. He asks the rhetorical question, does everyone do this? Does everyone have this type of responsibility? Is everyone doing the same thing? He's, it's a rhetorical question. He's saying no. no. Of course not everyone has the same gift. Not everyone's doing the same thing. But he's saying it doesn't matter. It's not about us just all doing the same thing. He said, I've placed you in the body where I see fit, and I want you to be used as I desire. It's for God's glory, not your glory and my glory. Amen? Amen? You see, it's all because of Jesus. It's all for Jesus. And anything the Holy Spirit wants to do in us and through us is for the glory of God. And he wants the church to be built up. He wants us to be healthy because he knows that if we're healthy, we're effective. And I want to be a part of a healthy local gathering of believers, the body of Christ, the church that is growing, not because of some gimmick, not because of some thing that we've tried to uh, attract people with, but because of what God is doing and because of the love of God that is present. Because that's changing lives, that's touching hearts, that's impacting and affecting eternity in a real way. But it's not all dependent on just a little handful of people over here and everyone else just gets to watch. It's not a spectator thing where all these other people who have these gifts that may be more outgoing, that it's just their job to do all of those things and everyone else just gets to be a partaker. No, we're in this together. We need to be connected at a real deep level. And Paul uses this illustration to say, man, this, this body, everyone has a part and, and, we're, and we need each other because we're not saying, I don't need you. I don't need this part. No, we all have value and every one of us has a gift. And maybe that gift is to be used in a large gathering. Maybe that gift is to be used at your place of work or in your community group or maybe all of the above. That's one of the things that always bothered me growing up in church was that we would have these experiences in these worship gatherings where I would see people do things that would be attributed to as spiritual. But then when church was over, and the service and the large gathering was over and we'd all disperse, I would never see those things in operation. And I began to question and ask, what is going on? Is this reserved to just impact eternity for an hour once a week? Or is this something that God wants to use in you and he wants to do something through you all of the time because you are the church. It's not just somewhere you go and attend. Each person has a gift, and I know God wants to use you, and I believe that God wants to do powerful things in you and through you outside of this weekly assembly. I think it's great, the things that 
you do here at Word of Grace and are a part of that are organized. The things that we put together, the different opportunities that we have as a church to be able to serve together and to do things. I think it's awesome. And it's great when people raise their hand and they say yes, and they're willing to help and be a part of what we do so far as uh, a weekend service and things like that. I think that's awesome. But at the same time, the pastor and the church leadership don't have to organize everything that you do that makes an eternal impact. Oh, I'm sorry, were you like looking for a mint like in, in, your, in your pocket or something? Sometimes we have this idea that it does, if it's not connected to word of grace, it's not church. No, it's still church. It's still church because it's about Jesus, not about some name that we put on a building. Amen? It's about him, and it's about pointing people to him. And that ministry can happen whether our leadership team had a hand in organizing it or not. Right. You don't need my permission to pray. You don't need my permission to reach your neighborhood or your workplace or to share the truth of Scripture with somebody. Hello. Yeah. So let's not wait on some sort of green light from the pastor to tell other people about Jesus or some sort of created uh, avenue. It's great when we do those things. I'm not, I'm not wanting to downplay those things at all. But what about every day? What about the things that happen in your everyday life? Because if we are the church, we are not just the church when we're organized together. We are the church every single day. Every day. So let's redefine the purpose of the weekly gathering. Let's redefine the purpose according to Scripture, not according to what's comfortable, what's easy, or what makes this some sort of consumer-driven spectator sport. Let's redefine it according to what God says, because we should be doing life together every single day. We should be serving others together and gathering with other groups of people to celebrate. Yes, this is one of those at this church service, but not just assembling to watch a few people use their gifts. Because church is not supposed to be a gathering of spectators, but it's supposed to be a gathering of people who are connected in a deep way in their everyday lives. I believe this, that your closest relationships should be in the context of the local church community you're connected in. Because if we truly believe that eternity is hanging in the balance, I mean, if we really believe this, and if we really believe we're better together, if we really believe that we truly need one another and if we truly believe that we need to care for one another in a way that attracts the world to Jesus by our love, then we need deep, authentic, connected, Christ-centered relationships. Because it's time for us to grow deeper in our community together, to put the priority on connecting in Christ-centered community, not just assembling weekly for an hour and calling it church. Because I believe that when we connect in a deep, authentic way, It'll help us to be able to be transparent, to be vulnerable, to be sharpened, to be accountable. I, I'm, I'm not really held to accountability at a deep heart level with people I don't have relationship with and trust at a, in, a, on a, in a deep sense. I mean, there's the general accountability that we have, but I'm talking about the deep accountability, the kind that helps you grow, the kind that challenges you in a deep way because someone is willing to step on your toes or call you out. The type of people that lovingly care about you enough to tell you the truth and that are still there for you even when you fail and when you fall. Talking about the people who are going to come alongside you, pray with you, pray for you. 
people who are going to do life with you, people who are going to love you in spite of the challenges that you're facing in life and, 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 and your own junk that you've been carrying around. You see, do we really believe eternity is hanging in the balance? Because if we do, it's time for us to grow deeper in community together, to put the priority on connecting, not just assembling, not just gathering, but on connecting. But going deeper in Christ-centered community requires something. It requires change. I mean the type of change where we transition from being a consumer to a contributor. The type of change that requires me to be available intentionally, where I must be willing to be vulnerable, where I must be willing to make room for other people and recognize it's not just about me, where I'm teachable, where I'm willing to intentionally be inconvenienced. Man, how many times do we get caught up in this thing where we're only willing to do something and be there and be vulnerable and available if it works for us? Like, if it's in our time frame, well, you know, I've only got 15 minutes left. Well, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I've, I've got to go. Like, when are we, are we willing to be inconvenienced for another's sake, to go deeper with someone, to connect, to be authentic, to be real? Or does it always just have to work out for our benefit? intentionally believing in a deep, real way where I'm going to love people who may be different from me, who have different values, different opinions, different thoughts, but I'm still going to love them right where they are at, where I'm willing to say yes to the greater things that God puts priority on and say no to those lesser things, the things that make much of me but say yes to the things that make much of God. Over in 2 Corinthians, you can just flip a few pages if you're still in uh, 1 Corinthians. Go over to chapter 5. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter also. It was, it was a, a second letter to the Corinthians that we have that he was writing dealing with different things. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, we're going to read through verse 21. The Apostle Paul says this in verse 17 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. He says, Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We must begin to see ourselves as Christ's ambassadors, where we see our responsibility and our role different. And he said the reason we should recognize we're ambassadors, he said, is because we're new. We're different. He said, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are, have become new. And we high five and we're like, woo, yeah, thank you, Jesus. All things have become new. And what we naturally want to attribute that to is us saying that what's new 
is the fact that the bad stuff I did in my past is gone. It's erased. And that's true. In Christ, you are new. And the bad stuff you did, yes, it's gone. You are new. But guess what? Also, the good stuff you did in your past is gone too. That means you can't drag any of your trophies along in this new life with Christ to where before Christ, I was a pretty good person. You know, I did some good things. I mean, God's helping me to get better, and so I needed him to help me to be a better person. No, that's not the purpose of the gospel at all. Not to help make you you 2.0. No, it's to let the old you die, that selfish, corrupt, wretched you. Doesn't matter what good you did in the eyes of people or in your own sight. That good is just as dead as the bad, wrong stuff that you did too. That means you're brand new. Therefore, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. He says all things have become new. Not just the comfort of knowing that the shame of my past uh, as far as the bad stuff has been erased. Yes, the shame, but also those little trophies we want to hold on to as well. He said, it's, you're new. The Bible also says you're bought with a price. The blood of Jesus, you've been purchased with a great price. You're not your own. We belong to him. We, we are now his workmanship created in Christ. We are now in Christ. The great mystery has been revealed. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, who you were is gone. So because of that, there's a realigning of priorities that must take place. Because if you are in Christ, now I need to prioritize the things that matter more to God. Because I'm new. And what matters to God? He's given you and me this ministry of reconciliation. Imploring the world to be reconciled to God. And the only way to do that is through Jesus Christ the only way to do that but for us to be able to do this as the body we need to prioritize these things together to make sure that what we do and how we serve and how we love and and going deeper with one another that it requires us to change not just to sit around and let a few people do the the work of ministry but we've all been commissioned to do that because we've been made new if we truly are in christ if we have received the message of the gospel, if we have repented of our sins, if, if we are trusting in Christ and Christ alone. But it requires us to change, and we should be changing because we're new. New things change. So what needs to change? What do you need to say yes to? What is your greater yes? And I believe that if we catch the vision to be a church of groups rather than a church that just has groups, I think that that wall on the community group wall, I don't think it'll be big enough because we have a desire to connect with each other, because we have a desire to do life together with one another, because we have a desire to go deeper with one another. And that's just one way we can connect. But taking advantage of those opportunities that are in front of us to say yes to something much bigger than ourselves. And that's where we won't have to just make pleas for different things and, and, and have to have different asks for help with this or help with that because people have, have caught a vision of, of now they see the value of Christ and they see that, that it is Christ in me, the hope of glory, and they see the value of eternity and they see that eternity matters more. And, and we, we say no to the lesser things and yes to the greater things because 
we're so in awe of Jesus and we've been captivated and we're prioritizing things differently. So if we catch the vision and we believe this, the body will be being the body where we embrace the change that God is calling us to, where we will step out together to say yes now to the greater things by being the church, not just simply attending. So don't go to church, just be the church every single day. Get out of the compartmentalized mentality of thinking I do church over here and then the rest of the week I do me. No, it's intentionally sacrificial. We are the body of Christ. Remember, Jesus is the head. If he's not the head, then it's not really the church. <laughs> it's some man-made thing. I want to be hooked up and connected to what Christ is doing. Amen? Amen? Christ is a lot smarter than Derek. Amen? Wow. Some of you guys sounded uncertain. I said Christ is a lot smarter than Derek, right? So it's not about us just connecting to leadership in a local church body. Those are just gifts. Understand, those are just gifts that are given. It's not a hierarchy. It's just gifts that are given of responsibility and, and delegated authority to be able to make sure that things are happening and to empower and, and, and to be able to equip the saints. That, that's just the structure that God chose. It doesn't mean more important. It just means that's the gift. That's the responsibility. And so don't get caught up chasing after a person or somebody. It doesn't matter if they have a, a huge, large following buying their books or attending their conferences or listening to their music. Just because someone has a large following, it doesn't mean that they're actively serving Christ. Right. And it doesn't mean that all of their stuff is, is correct doctrinally either, just because they have a large following or they're popular, even in Christian circles. We need to be able to discern, to grow. How do we do that? Through the Word, the Holy Spirit, and Christ-centered community. So we can sharpen each other, so we can help each other. So we're not just tossed around by every new thing that comes out. Every new wave that comes. But we can be solid, built on the foundation of Scripture. Jesus is the head. The Holy Spirit's leading and guiding and directing. That's what I want to be a part of. That is the church. And I pray that through this series that you have grown and are continuing to grow in being the church every single day. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity to share your truth. Thank you, Lord, that as those who have listened, both that are here and those that may be online, Lord, I pray that you would just move by your Holy Spirit and do what only you can do in the hearts of people. Some people have not yet put their faith and trust in you, and today may be the day of their salvation. Today may be the day where their eyes are opened, where their heart has been softened, and where that stony heart has been replaced with that heart of flesh that is softened and pliable to you. Lord, I pray that today we'd recognize that the old is gone and the new has come. And that, Jesus, you are the hope. 
You are the hope of the world. And we're grateful to get to be a part of your body. May what we do at this local gathering, this local assembly, in your name, be done for the glory of God, for impacting eternity and prioritizing your kingdom agenda. And may it further the message of the gospel. May it point people to Jesus and nothing and no one else. Help us to stay focused and grounded on you. Help us to continue to grow healthy. Help us to recognize when something isn't healthy within our body, Lord. And help us to do what you have called us to do, to repent or to hold accountable or to do whatever is necessary for your glory, Lord. To continue to grow, to instruct, to teach, to train, to equip so that Christ can be represented every single place that you have granted us influence. Help us to grow. Help us to be your church. In Jesus' name, amen.